And so today is three, week three in our series, Building a Connection, as we focus on building a new connection church up on 30171, but also on uh, building a deeper connection with God through Jesus Christ. And we want to give a shout out to our very, very newlyweds, Heather and Tom Bernerski, for being transparent and sharing their testimony. They were in the second service, but let's just thank God for them. Yeah. Well, good morning, Connection Church. My name is Carrie Jones. I'm Alan Jones. And we are two sinners who have been saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Would you pray with us, please? God, thank you so much for today. It's a gift. Today is a gift, and it comes from you. Thank you that we could freely worship here for those women and men who have stood in the gap so that we could be free. And thank you, Lord, that through your son, Jesus Christ, we are ultimately free, and we are so grateful. And it's in his name, it is his name that we worship today. We pray this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And everybody gathered said, amen. Amen. So today our focus is on worshiping God through sacrificial giving. And when we um, talk about worshiping God, one of our favorite uh, scriptures is Psalm 100. I want to share with that with you at this time. Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord is God. It is he that made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. Can you say the rest with me, please? For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. And so we celebrate when we worship. We make a joyful noise to the Lord. Thank you, Lord, because for those of us who can't sing very well, thank you for appreciating a joyful noise. Amen. You know, we are glad when we worship the Lord. We are thankful. We are praiseful. The one we worship, the Lord we worship is God, the one and only God, the God who created you and me. And as such, we belong to God. We are his. We are the sheep of his pasture. We give thanks. We bless his name. And we know that God is good. And so we often say, well, we're going to go worship today. That is true. We worship today. We worship through song. We worship through music. But worship is more than what we just did for 20 minutes. Worship is a lifestyle. It's giving our entire lives to God, everything that we have. And when I think about it, it's only by God's grace that I'm even here with you today. It's only by God's grace that God gave you another breath for today. And I'll tell you what, if I keel over right now, I'm glad I got to spend it with you. Amen. There's no place where I would rather be. But the bottom line is that everything is God's. Everything is God. We are the Lord's. God uh, made us. We are his. And so worshiping God is what we do every second of every day by what we think, what we feel, <clears throat> how we behave, how we treat people, and how we use the resources that God has lavishly 
dumped on us, lavishly dumped on us. And everything that we have should be given to God, worshiping and glorifying his holy name. There's a scripture that we used two weeks ago that reminds us of this. First Chronicles 29, 11 through 12a. David praised the Lord in the presence of the whole assembly, and he said, Yours, Lord, yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. For everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted head over all. Wealth and honor come from you. You are the ruler of all things. So, excuse me, everything we have comes from God. Can we agree on that? Okay. But everything that we have is God's. There's a difference there. Everything we have comes from God, but everything we have is God's. And when we realize that and embrace that, then, it's, then there is an attitude of worship in everything that we do and say and have because it's God's. God wants us to be generous with God's stuff. Uh, we've all been in a church-wide Bible study. We've uh, finished week three. We've seen a video, uh, a great teaching pastor, Chip Ingram, and... Um, it's, he did this video, Managing Our Finances God's Way, and he reminds us of what the Apostle Paul says in Scripture, Acts 20, verse 35. And what um, he says is, it's more blessed to give than receive. It is more blessed to give than receive. In other words, it is better to give than to get. Amen. Worship then includes not just an attitude of thanksgiving and praise, but an attitude of generosity, an attitude of joyful giving. And God has decide, designed us such that in our giving, we receive, we benefit. That's not why we give, but that's just a cool byproduct that when we give, we get. As Ingram says in that same video uh, ser- uh, lesson this week, Generous giving produces three things. First, it produces emotional happiness. When we give, we feel good. That's God created us that way. It's cool. Number two, um, generous giving produces spiritual holiness. When we give, we feel closer to God. Number three, when uh, generous giving produces material prosperity. We think, oh, if I give, I'm going to get rich. Not necessarily. I think what it does is help you realize how better to use what you've got, how to more carefully and and godly direct what you have. But even more than that, it helps us when we give to appreciate what we've got. This does not mean that we give, that we be that we are generous in order to get a return on our investment. That's a very conditional giving. That's not what it's all about. But it does mean, and this is in the Bible, that God does reward those who are generous, who have generous spirits. There is a blessing that comes. It may not be financial. It could be, but it may not be financial. But there is a blessing when we live a generous life. The same Chip Ingram from the video this week 
goes on to outline the characteristics of biblical generosity. And these are important for us to look at um, uh, worshiping God when we worship God with all we have. One of these is this. Biblical generosity means giving our first and our best to God. Proverbs 3, 9 through 10 says this. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will brim over with new wine. Wow. So... I'm not sure there are any farmers here. Most of us are not farmers. What it means, those first fruits, it means that the first portion off the top of our paycheck, we give to God. Uh, Paycheck, pension check, social security check, unemployment check, it's all God's. And we give that first portion as an act of worship, as an honor to God. It's regular, it's systematic, we make plans to do that, it comes off the top. We don't give out of our leftovers. What if God gave us the leftovers? (laughs) God gives us his first and its best in the person of Jesus Christ, and that's how we get our salvation, (laughs) through the blood that was shed by God's son Jesus, God's first and best. God promises that we will be blessed when we live a life of generosity. Another characteristic of biblical generosity is that it's proportional to income. 1 Corinthians 16, 2, Paul tells the people to set aside money in keeping with their income. Not everyone can give the same amount, but everyone can give according to what they make. That's the whole idea behind the tithe or giving the first 10% as we read about throughout the scriptures. Um, it's equal not in terms of the dollars of the exact dollar amount, but in terms of, be, of the proportion of what is ours, what comes in, what we make our income. The next characteristic of biblical generosity is perhaps the most challenging, and that's that biblical generosity involves sacrifice. Can you read the definition of sacrifice with me? Giving up something something of value for something something of greater value. value. Giving up something of value for something of greater value. Sacrifice means that it might hurt a little bit, that we would possibly go without You know, if we don't feel it a little bit, it really isn't sacrifice. God blesses us when we live sacrificially for him. Um, There's a scripture in 2 Corinthians 8, verses 1 through 4, and it's a scripture where uh, Paul is visiting a city, it's called Macedonia, and it says in the scripture that their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty, they were dirt poor, this group of people. Their poverty welled up in rich generosity. They urgently pleaded with us, meaning Paul, for the privilege of sharing in this service. Can you imagine begging and pleading when you're dirt poor? Let me be more generous. Let me be more generous for the Lord's service. That's sacrificial giving. And then the last characteristic, at least, of what uh, Ingram talks about, of biblical generosity, is that our giving is thoughtful, it is voluntary, 
and it's worshipful. In other words, we should carefully and prayerfully consider what we give. We should do it because we choose to, not because we're forced to. And um, we do it as part of our worship of the Lord. Worship, celebration. We're reminded of 2 Corinthians uh, 6, um, 7, that those who sow sparingly will reap sparingly, and those who sow generously will reap generously. It's just, that's just the nature of things. We're also reminded, can I see everybody smile for just a second? <laughs> that God loves a cheerful giver. Yeah. None of those frowns. Must have been you. Because what I'm about to say is kind of radical. If you aren't giving cheerfully, either with your offering or if you're not feeling like a cheerful giver when it comes to the sacrificial gift for our new church building up on 301, do not give. Do not give because God wants this done in a cheerful way, in a way that brings us joy. It's a way to worship God. And if that's not what it's about for you, God doesn't want your money. We are confident of the vision of what's ahead. We are confident that God will provide. And it's through people who gives sacrificially and joyfully. So, we don't want to twist your arm. It's not about that. It's about joyful, sacrificial giving. It involves biblical generosity. Now, we ask you, we ask you that uh, if you give regularly in the offering to please continue to do that. We need lights. We need to pay our electric bill. We need to pay our rent check of 11000 plus a month for this place. We need curriculum for children. We need stuff for our youth. We need to continue to provide money for the least, the last, and the lost. And that comes out of our weekly offerings. Over and above that is what we're asking you to consider. A sacrificial gift so that a couple years from now, three miles up the road, there's more space for more people, and it's all about Jesus. Amen. Um, sacrificial giving. There are a lot of great stories in Scripture about sacrificial giving, and two readily come to mind. One's in the Old Testament, the first part of the Bible, the other's in the New, the new part of the Bible, the, the second part of the Bible. They both involve widows, which is very interesting because in that day and time, a widow was usually in a very precarious position economically. And unless there was a, a guy in her life, a son, a brother, a father, somebody, a widow was living on the edge financially all the time because that was a very male-dominated society. And so we have two people who, uh, the, they don't have oodles of money to deal with. They're on the edge here. In the Old Testament story, we have the prophet Elijah. And, and God tells him to go to a place where God has instructed a widow to feed him. 
Well, when he gets there, she tells him that she has no bread to feed him with. All she has is a handful of flour and a little bit of oil, and, 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 and she's um, uh, just enough for one little loaf for her and her son. Uh, there's great famine in the land. She's out gathering sticks to create a fire to cook that loaf so that she and her son can have, in effect, their last supper. That's all she sees. She figures they're going to die because there's nothing left after the flour and the oil. And, and Elijah encourages her to make him a small loaf from what she has and then to make something for herself and her son, telling her that the Lord had told him that the flour and the oil would not run out if she did this. Wow, has she got a choice. Trust this guy who she's never seen, who's a man of God, a prophet, and is telling her to use up what little bit she has and basically sacrifice, give it to him, and God's telling her that if she does that, it'll never run out. Wow, that's a tough choice, isn't it? Or to enjoy the last meal she has with her son and then let them die peacefully. She chooses to trust Elijah and what he shares that God told him. Makes the, uh, the, bre the bread, gives it to Elijah, and there was food every day from there on out for her and Elijah and her family. The, the flour and the oil did not run out, just as Elijah had told her as God had told him. That's... That's sacrificial giving there. And, and in fact, we see the blessing that came after the giving. The second story comes from the New Testament, Luke chapter 21, where they were in the temple and everybody was presenting their offering. And the rich people gave, gave their offering and, um, in huge amounts, in large amounts. Mm. And there was a widow who gave her last two coins to the offering. Some of you might be familiar with this story. And Jesus told the disciples that she put more in the treasury than the rest of them because she gave out of her poverty when they gave out of their wealth. She gave everything she had, all she had, to mm. live on. Sacrificial giving. We're, we're not asking you to sacrifice like either of these women from Scripture. We don't want you to give us your last handful of flour or oil or your last two coins. But we use these, example, these, uh, these stories because they're great examples of sacrifice, and that is what we're asking you to do, to sacrifice, to give up something of value for something of greater value. And, you know, sacrificial giving is not easy. We know that. It's, it's a challenge. That's why they call it sacrifice. If it was easy, we wouldn't call it sacrifice, would we? But it is so rewarding. It's so rewarding. So you might be asking, how can you be a part of this? And we just want to share a couple of stories that we've been hearing of people in this congregation. There are some who are giving things of value to the church, a coin collection, or jewelry, real estate, stocks, or bonds, or cars. Mm. 
On the other hand, some have uh, postponed or altered vacations and taken the money that resulted and decided to use that toward the capital campaign. Or maybe you could put off a home improvement, uh, maybe a new patio or a porch or a, a new hardwood floor or that kitchen counter or something that's not, uh, you know, absolutely crucial but could be postponed and, and use the dollars saved from that. Some have borrowed against the equity in their homes and, and used that money toward the Future Is Now campaign. There's one young couple um, that has made a decision that one of them would work two extra shifts a month to give that money. They don't have anything. And so that's how they're being a part of this. We know that there's one junior high school uh, girl who's walking dogs and babysitting so that she can be a part of the camp campaign. We're aware of someone who's giving up a very special cup of coffee that they get every day. Hey, that can add up. <laughs> that can add up. But that is how that person is going to use money, use their resources to be a part of the Future Is Now campaign. Mm. Here's the thing. It's not going to be equal giving because we're all at different places. We all have different incomes. We all have different responsibilities. It's different for each of us how much we're able to give. It's going to be different for all, but we can all sacrifice, and that's what we're asking you to do, sacrifice in one way or another. Doug Turner, our coach, told us a story of a single mother. I believe he told us she had two children, and, and she was right on the edge. Uh, she didn't have any extra money, but she really desperately wanted to be part of this campaign that they had at that church because the church was such an important part of her life. And so she got to thinking, you know, every day at lunch I go across the street from where I work, and I take one dollar, <laughs> and I buy that special dollar sandwich at that fast food restaurant. If I changed what I did, and I took that one dollar a day, over three years, it would be about 750 bucks. Well, there was a person who had planned to give $50,000. And this person heard the sacrifice of this single mom and realized that his was not proportional, that he actually increased the amount because of this young woman's sacrifice. So that $750 added up to so much more because it was, it was an encouragement to others. As we said, this will not involve equal giving. We're not in a position to equally give. As holds with biblical generosity, though, our giving will be proportional. And we can sacrifice equally. If we all sacrifice, if we all truly give what we can, if we truly give what we feel God calling us to give, then we will have the money necessary to build what God is calling us to build. We'll have what we need to build his house. Unequal giving, equal sacrifice. And so we're asking for a commitment. We're not asking for the check. We're asking for a three-year commitment. We know that life happens, stuff happens, things change. Well, what happens if like two years from now I lose my job? You know, God's got all that covered. Let's live for right now, and God's going to take care of it. We can adjust our giving. We can adjust 
that number as life happens. This is not a legal document. This is your commitment between you and God. We do need some number, though, so that we can get started and get the wheels turning so that in a couple years from now, we're in a whole different location, a location that has a high volume of traffic where we can connect more people with Jesus and the life he offers. Mm. And so we ask you this week to prayerfully consider what you and your family can give sacrificially toward the NOW campaign, what you can give over the next three years to help build the Connection Church home on 30171. And some of you are wondering, well, when do I have to start putting it in? Well, it would start hopefully next year and then for three years, although some, if you want to get a tax break this year, you could turn it some in before the end of this year, you know, but we're looking at the three-year commitment starting next year and then the two years following that. That's, that's the plan anyway. You know, as we shared earlier, our goal in this is 2.1 million, and wow, we have really got a head start on that, 932,980. Oh, that's, that's a pretty good head start, isn't it? It's an interesting number. It's 44.4% of our... Actually, um, it's higher than that because we've had more commitments come in. Really? Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, let me just stick with this because this is a good number. 44, 44.4, <laughs> but what's really interesting, that's from 44 families. Oh, wow. Isn't that interesting? And you do the math, then take a, you, well, you might have to take your shoe off through this one. That's about 20, 20 something thousand a family. I tell you that not to say you should give 20, because I don't think, I don't think any one family gave exactly that average number. See, there were a lot of numbers under that and a lot of numbers over that. I mean, there's some pretty good numbers. Well, all of them were good numbers because all who gave, I feel, gave what God was calling them to give sacrificially. And that's what we're asking you to do as well, to, to, to give. You know, if we all give what God calls us to give, we're going to reach that goal. We're going to reach that goal. We just need your help to make that happen. We've had a, a very frequent question like, what about you know, the United Methodist Church kicking in money? It's not going to happen. It comes from us. That money comes from us, and we are confident of what is going to happen in the years to come. We just want to go over the timeline with you. So next week we come together, whether we've already committed online or we've already done the early commitment with a card or in the mail, we're going to make it so all of us have the experience to come forward and present our commitment to the Lord next week. I'm so excited about that. And then on December 1st, Celebration Sunday, when we will be able to share with you the amount that God has provided for our new church. We've got one more week, friends, and then we're done with the capital campaign. We're not going to be doing this much longer. We're almost done. And we are so excited. The commitment phase. The commitment phase. <laughs> and then the fun starts as we begin to sacrificially give the because the future <laughs> is now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what we want you to do this week is to pray and to wrestle. Pray to God. Wrestle with yourself. Some of you are going to like this next one. Wrestle if you're married with your spouse <laughs> about, about this financial piece. Come on now. And then wrestle especially with God. 
try to ask God to help you consider what your commitment to this now campaign should be. Perfect, consider how you can worship God through sacrificial giving. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Uh, most holy God, uh, we're called to sacrifice, but you know all about that as you sacrifice your son, Jesus Christ, for each of us. And we thank you and we praise you and we glorify your name. And we just want to share that story with so many more people. And we need a little bigger place to do that. And so I pray that you'll open our hearts to what you have in store because we know that you, uh, you're going to get done what you're going to get done so that we can build your place. So please open us. Please, I pray that each of us will prayerfully consider where you're leading us this week. We ask these things in the name of Jesus and the power of your Holy Spirit. And all Connection Church said, Amen. Amen.